aren't you glad that you know personally that he's alive. He's not dead. Let's turn to Genesis this morning, if you would, chapter chapter 1. What time is lunchtime? What time is lunchtime? Two o'clock. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. I want to greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. What an honor it is to be able to be together with you in these uh, special, special times together. My special friends and brothers and comrades in the gospel. Always a great honor to be with my little buddy, Brother Tim Pruitt, and the saints here. So I love and appreciate it. it was a tremendous service last night, wasn't it? Amen. Absolutely wonderful. Appreciate the presence of God so much. I want to speak to you today on the ministry of the moon. Y'all didn't know the moon had a ministry, huh? It has a great ministry. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament, which the word firmament is an expanse of the sky. Firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And what you notice here in Genesis 1 that the planet whose name is written in the Bible is earth. You'll never find Pluto, Mars, Saturn, Planet X, Y or Z. Uh, the only one that you're going to find as far as name identification is the earth. This is why God can never destroy the earth. It is a redeemable attribute. And its name is written in the book. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. Can we bow our heads together? How many like to be remembered today? Just raise your hand before the Lord, me also. Heavenly Father, we approach you today with thanksgiving in our heart, how we enjoy and so appreciate these wonderful, special times together. Lord, it tells us that there's coming a great day when the saints of God will be gathered together in your kingdom and we will never separate again. None of us will be old. None of us will be sick. None of us will be burdened and troubled. No doubt people have come to these meetings and they've had such worries on their minds and sickness in their body. But yet, Lord Jesus, you've come among us. You've brought encouragement. You've brought healing. You've brought deliverance. That is a foretaste of what your great kingdom is going to be. You saw our hands that they were uplifted. God, I also I stand in need today. What a responsibility it is to try to speak to the queen of heaven. Help me, Lord God, that I can get out of the way. 
may you take this human instrumentality, may you take this part of yourself, a gift that you placed in me. Anoint that, Lord. Help me. Help the people as well. We believe that you'll just manifest yourself in the confines of your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. I'd also like to read to you Psalms 104, verse 19. Brother Ron was sharing so many wonderful things out of the Psalms last night. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. I want you to notice that the earth is designated in the book of Genesis as a her, but the sun is designated as a him, so it's a masculine gender. The sun knoweth his going down. Psalms 148.3, praise ye him, we heard this last night, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. So you wonder, how does the sun praise God? How does the moon praise God? As far as we know, it doesn't talk. There's no language that we humans can be able to relate to that the sun praises him. But yet, according to the scripture, it does. So the sun and the moon praise him, all you stars of light. Now, in the, in the known universe, the, there is an estimation of one septillion Stars, You can see it there on the screen. That is a one with 24 zeros. And they're all praising God. The prophet tells us that God made three Bibles. The first one was in the heavens. The second is the pyramids. And the third is, of course, the written word which we have. All three of them tell the same stories. The stories of redemption, the stories of salvation, the stories of the great mysteries of God. Um, I'm sure that you were like I was before I came to the message that anything to do with the stars and all that, I was scared of it uh, because I figured it was probably, you know, something that was of the devil. But as I began to read the message, I began to realize that God was the one who wrote that first and then Satan took it and then twisted it into something. As a matter of fact, we heard Brother Branham Carol and Carol and I were riding down the road the other day. And Brother Branham was talking about how he believed in dancing, dancing in the Spirit. Now, he said, not the kind of dancing, he said, that I had to put up with last night to about 2 o'clock in the morning up the lane up there from where he lived. But he said, the devil took the dancing and perverted it. And we know that he does that with many things, with music, musical instruments, with singing, with dancing, with worshiping. And it depends on what you want to put your focus on. If you want to look at the false, that's up to you. Myself, I'm going to look at the true and keep on dancing. That's right. Now, God, of course, has written in the stars and in the sun and in the moon a great pattern of the story of redemption. Let me read this to you in God's provided way. The prophet said that the moon and the sun are perfectly husband and wife. 
So the moon and the sun are husband and wife. So the sun is the husband and the moon is the wife. Again, he says, and when the sun goes down, it goes way behind the world. It goes there and it reflects its light over on the moon that the moon gives a lesser light by night. Now, according to the uh, command of God, the way God described it there, that one was to rule the day and the other was to rule the night. Now, even though we look out at the moon and she is so humble, she's barely, barely white, even the full moon, but yet there is a glory that God has given to her that is a reflection of his own will. She has no light on her own. As a matter of fact, the moon itself is not a luminous type of object. She only can reflect that light which is given to her from the sun. Same way with you and I as the people of God. There are no great ones among us. There's only one great one among us, and that's the Lord Jesus. No matter how long we've preached, how much we've sang, what we've done, we all have borrowed light. Isn't that right, brothers? We all have borrowed light. Now, true, according to even to the stars and the way that God made them, according to the amount of magnesium and all that that they have inside the star, each star is related with what the, the scientists would tell us, and luminosity. This is the way that they rate the amount of light that we see from it. So it is an luminosity. And from that comes by the magnetic pull that God put in it by the creation of the Word. Every star is a little bit different. Paul tells us exactly the same. Some would be able to be so bright and so brilliant. Others are more meek and the more light. And we look at it and say twinkle, twinkle little star and we know it's actually the atmosphere where we are from the earth, the way it looks up into the sky and that's what gives the twinkle, the moving of the gases as it emits the light. But even in that God wrote again his Bible that each one of us have our own place. But yet the stars aren't like us. The stars don't get jealous. Now, you know, some songwriters, some singers, somebody else get a, a little bit louder hand clap than they do. They pooch their lip out, have a problem the rest of the service. Some preachers are the same way. They get jealous of one another. And it's because us as human beings, you know, because of what Adam did for us and us with a soul, then we have the ability to choose what we will do with our luminosity. And we can give it to the glory of God and say, well, I'm nothing. I came to the world naked. I'll leave the world naked. I'm nothing in the first place. Oh, we can get puffed up in her head and feel like we're really something. Myself, I choose the other way. Now, but at the same time, we are also given on the earth that we would be able to fit in the great universe of God, how that in the absence of the Son of God himself, that we as the bride are a reflection of him on the earth. Now, Satan has always done the same thing over and over again when God placed his son and daughter on the earth in the beginning as they walked. And we know that Adam was placed actually in the Garden of Eden in a time of a probationary period. Adam was not aware, of course, when the angels were given the same allotment. We know that Paul has told us that there are elect angels and there are other angels which are non-elect, which means they were given their power, their authority, their ability on the probationary period. 
Paul was not there, John was not there, Moses was not there when the angels fell, but yet they fell actually before the foundation of the world. And they did that because this great bright shining angel, which was called Lucifer or day star or morning star, he began to look at himself and realize that he actually was given something above the rest of the angels. Question answers 1959. The prophet tells us he was God's right hand man to fellowship. He was everything that God was except a creator. So he was the one that stopped the approach. If you'll read him in Ezekiel 28, also Isaiah 14, you realize that he was the cherub that ranks so high in the presence of God. Any other angels come in before the throne of God. He was the one that stopped the divine approach. So he stood between the rest of the angels of, of the Lord creation and between Father God. So he knows a lot about God's nature. He knows a lot about worship. He knows a lot about singing because when you look at what Isaiah said that thou was perfect in the day that thou was created from the day that I created thee thy harps and thy tabrets and thy pipes all those are musical canontations and it's actually instruments. So he was in charge of the music department in heaven. So this is why that he loves to take music and always has and to try to pervert it. Now, if he cannot make you pervert it, then what he'll try to do is raise up a blabbermouth and try to send them among us and say, hey, we can't clap our hands and we can't shout and we can't jump. You know why? If he can't stop you with music on one way, then he'll try to take the Holy Ghost out of your music where you feel like you've got to stand there like a bunch of Lutherans. Well, praise the Lord, because he knows the power of music. All children, we, we don't have to feel bad because we love to worship God and because we love to get excited in our music time. That's exactly right. God down through the ages has used it and we know that God even would change as God changed the dispensation of the word. If you'll study your scripture real close, you'll find that God also changes the dispensation and the ministry of songs and music as well. As a matter of fact, when Moses and the the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and they stepped out of there. There was no old song that was written that was suitable for what God had just done. So Moses began to be inspired by the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost gave him a new song, a song that was fitting for what they had. There had never been anybody that had crossed the Red Sea. There had never been anybody that had seen what God had done and God a anointed the prophet of God and he began to sing a song that never heard before. I imagine God must have went to kind of pat his foot up there in heaven and say, sing it Moses, sing it Moses. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This is why we refuse to be intimidated when our music makes the devil mad. I guarantee you one thing, if you'd ever sat in the court of King David and you look at these words, the way the Psalms are written, masculine, and all these things, which again are musical connotation of how that it was written. I guarantee you they worshiped, they sang, they shouted, they praised, they jumped, they blessed the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why Satan loves to try to interrupt 
our worship, our music, our singing. Singing's so powerful. I read a quote the other day where Brother Ram called a man out and walked across the platform. And he said, sir, he said, I want you to go off this platform. I want you to sing happy songs all day long and your sickness will leave you. Now can you imagine on the condition of that man singing? Now you know what? That man might not be able to carry a tune in a bucket. He might not been able to sing. He might not been a special singer, but the prophet of God told him to sing. And he didn't tell him to sing once a day, but he told him to sing all day long. This is part of the ordinance of the moon. You are to rule the night. Now, you looked out maybe this week and you've seen the cycle which the moon is in, which she reveals herself in four stages. Her power isn't as prevalent in the first quarter, nor the second, nor the third. She comes to her full manifestation and what we call the full moon. Yet her power is hidden and we can never see it actually as the rays come down, but she controls our tides. She controls the lakes. They don't move as much. Even in the hidden atmosphere, the moon in her cycle affects our atmosphere. The moon also affects human beings on the earth. Wonder why they call people who lose their mind lunatics. You know why? They're tied to the lunar phases. You understand surgeries are more successful in one cycle of the moon than others? Do you know that people who, who log massively around the world, you understand when they cut the trees for logging in the cycles of the moon? Why? God has ordained that the moon is so synchronized with the pattern of the earth that it affects it. Now, keep in mind the bride, the spiritual, uh, also the application of this, that the bride of Christ is a great impact on the world. You wait till we're gone. This world's going to fall apart. I'll tell you one thing, it's a mess right now. You wait till we're gone. You wait till the bride of Jesus Christ leaves on the ministry of the moon has ceased to exist upon the earth. All hell will break loose. Oh, you say it's bad. I agree, but it ain't nothing like what it's gonna be after a while. Notice this, the prophet said it reflects its light over on the moon and the moon gives a lesser light by night. Just as Jesus, when he was on the earth, he went away, went back into the heavens and reflects back the Holy Ghost on the church, which is the light in his place today perfectly. Remember, the moon don't give any light at all. The moon doesn't. I'm sure you've seen pictures. How many seen pictures of the rocks that come from the moon? You know, as a little boy, I used to think looking at the moon, you'd think that the moon itself had this luminous power. But when you look at rocks that come from the moon, it would look like a rock that come from Louisiana, Ohio, Texas, Tennessee, Indiana. It don't go. It has no ability on its own because it does not have that by creation of God to glow within itself, neither do you, neither do I. We don't have any ability
ability to be some great super something or another. We're just a pile of dirt. Whether you're a six foot pile or a four foot pile or a five foot pile, you're just a pile of dirt. If there's anything good that comes out of our lives, it is through the reflection of the Son Himself. And if we don't shine, the world don't see Him. Jesus has no hands but mine and yours. He has no eyes, no feet. This is his ordained plan. This is the ministry of the moon wife. I'm looking at her today. Notice, and the moon is the shadow of the sun. The moon and the sun represent Christ and the church. In other words, the moon and the sun is husband and wife. Then when the moon is only reflecting the shadow of the sun, the sun is shining on the moon and it gives, reflects the light to the earth when it's dark. So in the way that God put it out here, the moon averages 238,000 miles from the earth. Now that's average, sometimes it's closer, sometimes farther away. And actually the face of the moon, you've seen the same picture all of your life. You've never actually seen the other three sides of the moon. Now that has to do with because of the way that the moon cycles around and the way the earth cycles. The moon itself is one quarter uh, the size of the earth, about the size of Pluto. And the way that she spins around in her menial speed time, as they call it, it turns right around and the way the earth is turning, you see the same face of the moon over and over and over again. That's the only side earth has ever seen. But yet there's great parallels in the way that the bride is in comparison to the moon. Now on the light side of the moon, the daylight to the daytime, the temperatures can be 273 degrees Fahrenheit. On the dark side of the moon, she's 243 degrees below zero. That sounds like me. Burning up on one side and cold as I don't know what on the other side. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. On one side of you, the part that what? The sun shining on. The part the sun is shining on. Now you're 273 degrees Fahrenheit. But on the other part of you, which is not born again, this old human thing, it is our enemy. And we've got to keep it subject every day of our life. It's minus 243. Amen. That's the way the soul so illuminated by the power of God and soars in heavenly places. So is this old earthly body of ours just as much in the contrast on the other side. God wrote you there in the stars. God wrote the pattern of your life before you ever come into existence. And he said, I will shine on you. I will be your strength. I will be your help. Again, the prophet says the moon and the wife, or the moon rather, excuse me, the moon and the sun is husband and wife. And the sun has gone away, it throws its light against the moon to give us a smaller light until the sun comes. When the sun comes, the moon fades out. And Christ is the sun who's gone to glory, shining on the church with the same kind of light. Uh Uh-oh, now here's where we're going to get into problems. 
The same kind of light he shined when he was here. And of course, when Jesus was here, he was politically correct. He never said anything to offend anybody. He went around just loving everybody and telling them, y'all can go to heaven just like you are. Don't worry about living right. Don't worry about being... Really? Y'all shaking your head no. But the church today is so called. That's what they think they are. And they think they're the voice of God. Come on, church. And yet we realize whenever he was here, he did not commit his gospel to tape players. MP3 players. He did not call 12 Sonys. He called 12 men. Hallelujah. And he told them, preach the gospel. So if that's what the sun was in his absence, what will the moon be? She will contain of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. This is why we preach. Because when I push play, I hear him say, if you're a preacher, get in the pulpit and preach. So when he was here, he cast out devils, healed the sick, raised the dead. Jesus even spoke in tongues. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. So if the same light shines on the moon, then you tell me we're not going to do that? We ain't got sunlight. We're drinking moonshine. Well, praise the Lord. We're, we're not reflecting the light of God. How could it change? The moon does not have the ability to filter out that light and say, I don't want this. I don't want that. All the moon is is a reflection. If he says he's the same, then the moon says, amen. If he says he's a healer, the moon says, amen. If he says, hallelujah, he's coming again, the moon says, Amen. And we don't just say it, we reflect it. I love the way Paul reveals this contrast of the seed of God, the way they were prior to their new birth. Ephesians 5, 8, for ye were sometimes darkness. You wasn't in it, you were it. Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light. You're not just in the light. You are light. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now let me read to you a few things that I find interesting about the moon. And let's see if we can find a parallel now about it. The moon's phases and the moon's orbit. Uh, the, The moon itself being a 2,159 miles in diameter. And yet the atmosphere on the moon is so thin. It hardly has any atmosphere at all. It is so thin, a layer or a footprint that would be made on the moon can lay there for centuries and never be moved. Because there's no atmosphere. So the first men who walked on the moon, their footprints are still there. The lunar rovers that have been all over the moon where they've been, those tracks are still there because the moon retains deep scars. But it won't stop our music. Man has walked all over moon. 
But he ain't never walked on the sun, has he? Now, our humanity, all of us have been hurt. We've been scarred. We've been disappointed. And many of us still have the footprints of preachers in our spirit, in our conscience, in our memory. Come on, saints. We've got so much stored up in us as a human being because the atmosphere on the outside of us is human element. Oh, God's blood is so powerful. He can take the blood and totally annihilate a sinner's sin but don't you wish sometime that blood could break into your mind and erase the memories of your shortcomings and the memories of your past. But one day, praise be to God, we will be burst into a body which matches our soul and finally the memory of our mortality will be annihilated. We'll never remember being immortal. We'll never remember our mistakes. We'll never remember it again. But until that time, all the rover tracks, all the footprints, sometimes they're buried within our subconscious. And a certain thing will trigger it. You see, the moon, even though she does not have the power of the sun, to her is given a different jurisdiction. She has been given a great power of gravity. This is why you need a church to help keep your gravity lined up. Now, when God made the earth, he knew that one day Adam would fall and he made the earth in the beginning, it stood up like this. Same temperature all the way around. But God knew whenever man fell, the only planet, as far as we know, that that was affected by the fall of man was the planet that man lived on. So when man fell, then the earth went 23 and a half degrees. Now, since she's not a perfect round cylinder, she spins out in the air and goes around and around and around and around and has for who knows how long. But because she's a little bit lopsided, God put the moon out there and the moon helps by its gravitational pull to keep the earth from spinning around because if it was not there, the earth being a little bit lopsided would actually spin like a top and totally spin out into the universe and destroy herself. So God put the church, I mean the moon, to keep a watch on the earth. That's why the moon ministry gets up and says, don't do this and don't go there and don't say this and don't watch that and don't. You understand, you see why we need these do's and don'ts? The Holy Ghost is not do's and don'ts, but the Holy Ghost gives you the power to keep the do's and the don'ts because we need them. Why? Because we're tilted on our spiritual axis. Oh, hallelujah. But one day, can you imagine you and I are not the only ones longing and desiring for the restitution of all things. The earth has been spinning out here and God knew he would be able to tilt the earth 23 and a half degrees and the earth would still be able to function. In the beginning, there was not four seasons on the earth and this is only a temporary thing. He knew she could function tilted on that. Don't you understand? You're the same way. Even though you're born again today, 
we're still a little bit warped. Look at the sickness in our body. Look at the difficulties that we deal with. We're still out here working. This is why we need God-sent ministry. This is why we need a church. This is why we need the preaching of the word of God to help keep it by gravitation. What does gravitation do? It keeps things down on the earth. I know it's simple. What if this had no gravitation, this earth here? You'd be floating around. I'd be saying, sit down. I'm going to preach to you all. you say, we can't sit down. Everybody just be flying around the building. We'd all just be like wispy clouds. And here this big subwoofer would be coming over hitting somebody in the head. This speaker would be hitting you up the side of the head. This potted plant wind up in your mouth. And he would all just be flying around. I thank God for gravitation. Until the rapture. And then the rapture power will overpower it anyway. It's the same. People don't understand. How come you all can't, you just get away from quit this and quit that. Y'all in a prison. Oh, that's not the way we look at it. You see, we look at these walls that surround us, not as prison walls, but castle walls. It depends on how you look at it. Oh, oh my, there's somebody on the outside. They're saying, oh, my. Them young people can't go here. They can't go there. They can't do this or that or the other. They're in a prison house. Not to us, it's not a prison. And to us, we are inside the palace of the king. Oh, hallelujah. We're inside the palace of the king. And we look at these walls as our protection, not our bondage. Praise be to God. You understand the moon's gravitational pull is actually what makes this planet livable. <laughs> Moderating the degree of the wobble that keeps you from wobbling out of cycle and becoming a foolish, crazy, out of your mind, Laodicean. Can't you see what happens to folks when they leave this word? They're way worse than any Baptist. They're way worse than any Pentecostal. Anybody that backslides from this word goes nuts. Look at them, friend. They go totally bananas. Why? They lose the gravitation. The very thing they hate is the very thing that's keeping them insane. And when they pull away from this, they go out of their minds. Now the earth reveals itself in one blessed cycle by which God does not make the earth like the moon in that she reveals her glory in four stages. But the moon God chose for it to reveal itself in the four cycles. First quarter, second quarter, third, and then full moon. What's this? Now I know four normally we don't consider four a spiritual number. We like threes, fives, sevens, forties, fifties. But four has a great significance to the earth itself. Four is an earthly number. Watch this. Brother Bram says, and remember, four is an earthly number. Remember God's guards of the ark or the mercy seat. John saw how many? Four. 
How many did he see? He's seen four too. Now remember when Ezekiel sees the same thing in the Old Testament, he saw four living creatures. Now watch, they both seen the same vision, both John and Ezekiel. And four is the number of the earth. Did you know that? How many knows before we can go into it? Four is an earthly number, sure. Like the four Hebrew, he said in the earth, it's a number of earth, of deliverance. Now notice, so four is the number of earthly deliverance. And yet the moon reflects herself in four stages or four cycles. Why? Because it's the way it affects upon the earth itself. Now I want you to think where we are, whoever it was that placed this where it is. They placed you on what is called the elliptical plane to where that you're able to look from the earth and look up and see all that we see. You see, if we was a, 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 a half a million miles further in to where the sun or if it was over this way, we'd never see what we see. But yet he who designed it placed you and I where we would be able from the earth to look and see his Bible. If we was on Pluto, the stars would not look the same. We would not see Virgo. We would not see Libra. We would not see the constellation. Oh, you say, Brother Donnie, that's crazy. No, it's not. When God came to Job, what did God quote to Job? God quoted to Job the Bible that Job knew. Have you made Maseroth? Where was you, Job? Are you the one who made the Maseroth? What about the Pleiades? Which, of course, is the constellation of the seven sisters. And God was quoting the Bible to Job. But it was the Bible. It wouldn't done no good for God to quote Genesis or Leviticus or Exodus because it was not written. So God was quoting to Job the Bible. And Job was like, well, the Old Testament people. And he studied the stars. So God quoted to him what? The Bible that he knew. Oh, praise God. Notice, so then in there, the four designates an earthly number. So when you see a four in the heavens, it's reflecting its identity or influence upon the earth or the people who live on the earth. Watch now. Brother Ram said four is God's numbers of deliverance. So it showed that these beings must have been something about the earth. So we look and we see four heavenly creatures, yet they're in heaven, but their number by designation lets us know by their number they have something to do on the earth. How many gospels are there in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Four. Watch. Brother M said, notice, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what is it? Earthly number of the gospels, four. Restoration of the bride tree. Listen closely now. Listen, don't miss this. There was four death messengers. Or would you rather close? Y'all wouldn't rather close, right? All right. Listen real close now. There was four death messengers that killed that tree. So God gave birth to a church at Pentecost. God started it the way he wanted it. He's going to end it the way he started. Brother Henry Green, you said that years and years ago. I tell you what, it's a tremendous statement. But there's a lot of folks in the message that don't believe it that way. They do not believe Malachi 4 was sent to restore us. They believe this message is producing something totally new. Well, y'all got quiet on me. 
So God started it out the way he wanted it and Satan sent through four earthly administrations, four death messengers to go to eating on that feminist tree of life in order to bring a death. Remember, it's not our reputation. It's not the reputation of these preachers that's at hand. It's God's reputation. If God does not produce a bride out of this generation, God has lost his entire reputation. But I'll tell you how worried he is about it. Let not your heart be troubled. He believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's how worried he is about it. And he won't have one extra theophany. Or somebody else shows up. Oh, brother, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't make you a theophany. I didn't realize you was going to make it. Your theophany is there waiting for you. Notice four messengers of dogma kill the tree. All but the roots. And if four messengers of death kill the tree. Four messengers of life. Restores the tree. Do you get it? Amen. For God said, I will restore. He's going to restore it. How? By four death messengers killed it. Then four life messengers will restore it. Luther, first quarter. Methodist, second quarter. Pentecostals, third quarter. Fourth quarter, Malachi, four, of course. We're not living in the third quarter. We're not living in the first quarter. But we are in the full moon. Hallelujah. The light of the Son of God shining on his wife. This is why we believe in miracles. That's what we do. We're believers. We believe that God can change lives. We believe in divine healing. We believe our God's so great he can come among us and do the supernatural. Why? Because we're born of a supernatural world. Notice Brother Ben said then four life messengers restored. What was the first? Martin Luther. Justification. What was the second? John Wesley. My sanctification. What was the third? Pentecost with the restoration of the gifts, the Holy Ghost, baptism of the Holy Ghost. What was the fourth? The Word. So when we come into the Word, do we deny justification? So if we lead somebody to the Lord here today that's just absolutely lost or drunk or whatever more, and they come here to God and we say, well, brother, you don't need to repent. You don't need to get sanctified. We're just going to take you straight to the Word. What do I say? Repent of your sins, brother. Lay aside this, that, that. What are we doing? We're bringing that man or that woman through those stages of the ministry of the moon. So we say, praise God, brother. Accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Well, I got things hanging on me. We'll come on to the second quarter. We'll move on up until the Spirit of God is able to so take a hold of you. Oh, my. Many of us may not speak in tongues and run and jump like others, but we believe it's among us. 
that third cycle is still here. That third phase is still here. We don't deny phase one. We don't deny phase two. Why get our phase three? Oh my, notice this, he says, in the days, the last days of Malachi 4, Elijah is to come with the very word. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. And the evening lights is to come forth to restore and bring back. What? Turn the hearts of the children back to the face of the fathers forth light. Forth light. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We can dismiss right now. Thank you. Oh, my. Force light. So what was it? Justification, sanctification, coming up through the restoration of the gift. And then Malachi 4 restores what? That final phase of the light. It's the rainbow of God. As the colors begin to go, the blue, the violet, all that, they come together. But here we have the fullness of time manifested through the revealed word. And listen, Brother Branham is not the only one in Malachi 4. People leave out a lot of important character. Remember, God said, I, I, We'll sin unto you. Brother Branham ain't the only one in Malachi 4. God's in Malachi 4. I'm in Malachi 4. You're in Malachi 4. Malachi 4, 5, 6. Number of earthly deliverance through grace to deliver man. Boy, I don't know if you like that or not, but that's fresh from heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Malachi 4, earthly deliverance through grace, 5, to deliver my humanity. Malachi 4, 5, 6. Thank you, Jesus. Notice again, he says, four killers took it. Four messengers destroyed it. Four messengers of death took it away dogmas. Four messengers of righteousness restore it back again. Prophesy, son of man. Can these bones live? Oh, he said, I wish we had time. I've got it wrote down here, but I have to miss that. Prophesy, can these bones live again? What's the four stages? of that church. What's the four stages of Ezekiel's dry bones coming forth? You know where we are. Prophesy, son of man, and the wind come and blew and breathed breath of life. But life can only come not when the sinew and skin was upon them, when the wind blowed upon them. That's when he come back. That fourth message of life. Listen, friends, Luther did not have the token life. The Bible tells us plainly how it can overcome. This is the age of the personal life of Christ. Did they have a dip? Yes. All those true Lutherans will be in the resurrection. All those true Methodists will be in the resurrection. Amen. Fourth message of life was brought back. I will restore, says the Lord. Notice Brother Rem's reaction to these comments. Hallelujah. Glory. Praise be to God. 
the force light is to come that will bring forth. Call me Pentecostal. Call me what you want to call it. The force light is to come and bring forth the same sign. Look, friends, I was in Pentecost many years of my life, Laodicea and Pentecost. I preached right here in your state in Louisiana, Plaquemine, Winsboro, Baton Rouge. I preached all over Louisiana, Lafayette, all over it. Under the third stage, I run, I jumped, I hollered. I prayed for the sick. I saw God perform all kinds of miracles in the state of Louisiana. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a little boy at my uncle's holiness church. I went up to the altar and they beat me on the back and beat me on the back, but I thank God I got more than they're beating. I got something that night and I laid there on the altar and talked in tongues and talked in tongues. My daddy picked me up and carried me out on the car and hauled me home and I laid me out, laid me out on the couch at home. I talked in tongues nearly all night long. But I needed more. Hallelujah. A lot of these brothers around the message that are blasting Pentecost, they ain't even been there. They don't know what they're even talking about. So they link together the quotes and any word Brother Branham seems to blast Pentecost. They want to blast the genuine. You've got to separate the genuine from 1906. It's not the same thing. It's not the same manifestation. It's not the same light. It's only the third quarter of the moon. So I could run and jump and shout and scream and holler and preach in Pentecost and believe in women preachers. My wife sitting there could cut her hair. I'm not proud of that, neither is she. But that's all the light I had. That's all the light I had. I had enough light to run, but I was running without a message. I preached right here in your state in Louisiana 65 nights. In a row. I left here and drove all night long and went to Indiana the next day and started another series of meetings and then recorded an album. I must have been nuts. <laughs> I saw God heal cancer. I saw God cross cross eyes. I seen God do all kinds of things. Then why should I still be hungering for something? But down inside of me, there was a hunger. I knew there had to be more. There had to be more. I worked for a preacher out of West Virginia, which is on TV and radio. And I met his radio broadcast, sitting in his radio room one day. Oh, glory to God. Right up on his bookshelf, and I reached my hand up into the bookshelf, and there were some red books. With gold writing on them. Hallelujah. I reached up and pulled out one of them books and I began to read the force light. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I was a Pentecostal, shouldn't I be happy? No, because I wasn't an original Pentecostal. I was only the third quarter, but I want to tell you today, I am an original. I am an original Bible 
believed him, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, Pentecostal believer. Amen. I got the same experience that Peter had. I got the same experience that Paul had. I got the same experience in the book of Acts. My Pentecostal friends, my Pentecostal family thought I lost my mind. They still do. <laughs> nothing changed. But you know what gets me? When I hear some of these ignorant preachers trying to identify these true quotes of Pentecost with that, I've been there. I know what Pentecostalism is. Some of them that's reading them Pentecostalism quotes, they don't even know what it is. They've never been there. They've never even been in a Pentecostal church. But because we've got two different time frames called by the same name. You've got to have discernment when you read here and you're reading the prophet of God talk about Pentecost and blast Pentecost. Remember, he's not a prophet of Malachi 4 and blast the original. He cannot do it. Notice justification brought back the pulp. Sanctification brought back the bark. Put some clothes on you. We don't wear many barks around here. You see a tree in the woods that's got many barks, something been eating on it. Keep part of its bark off. Tree's got enough sense to know you gotta have bark to cover your nakedness. <laughs> oh my, brought back the bark, doctrine of holiness. What brought back the leaf? Pentecost did not bring life. Not life. Leaf. Leaf. The bark don't blow in the wind. The pulp don't blow in the wind. What blows in the wind and makes all the racket? Leaves. Praise God. Pentecostal leaves, clap their hands, joy, rejoice. Oh, I see Brother Donnie identifies Pentecost as joy. Well, if you're going to throw that off, then throw your bark off. No, don't, please, not, not in church. <laughs> God is restoring, friends. God is taking the truths of justification and the truths of sanctification and the truths of the gifts. And building a body. But folks think in order to be in the message and really be in the third pull in the opening of the word, if you have an altar call, a prayer line, you're not in the third pull. Man, it'd be nice if somebody let Brother Brown know that. Man. I mean, he's still doing it when he leaves the earth in 1965. 
Poor guy, I wish some of these theologians in the message had let Brother Bram know, hey, Brother Bram, you're not supposed to ever prayer line. You're the one in charge of the third bullet. He said, really? Now, I thank God to let me know that, buddy, not you. Sit down. He still had altar calls. He is still praying for folks to get the Holy Ghost. But friends, I know we don't like to hear it said, but their main problem is the lack of the new birth anyway. My, let me go on before y'all tar and feather me. Notice, what is it? Pentecostals, leaves, clap their hands, joy, rejoicing, Pentecostal. The fourth was the word itself. The word made flesh, fruits of the proof of the resurrection sign that Christ has finally, after justification being planted, sanctification being planted, baptism of the Holy Ghost, organizations died out, and Christ has again centered himself like the cap of the pyramid. First line, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then the coming of the cap. What is it? That Holy Ghost bunch. Oh, I'm glad to be identifying that bunch, ain't you? You're gonna be a bunch of something. So you might as well be identified in a Holy Ghost bunch. Holy Ghost bunch being honed out so that it can fit with the same kind of ministry. And what kind of ministry did he have? Casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, tearing up hell. Isn't it amazing through the entirety of the Old Testament? You take one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, you'll see more demonic manifestation that's been written in the entire Bible prior to his advent. Why? He upset hell. I don't care how deep a man thinks he is and what kind of theologian he is, I like to see what hell thinks about him. If he don't stir up the devil and make the devil mad, I ain't got a lot of confidence in the man, to be honest with you, because the devil's probably on his side. But I like to see a man, woman, boy, or girl, that the devil absolutely hates them because down in hell, your testimony has weight. Notice this, he said he had went away. When he comes back to catch the whole thing in the rapture, justified, sanctified, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that pyramid will stand again. The house of God will live again. The tree of life is growing again. Now what's this? He goes in a little different way with the four. When we were made... They just found out recently that your body is full of light. X-ray proves that. The X-ray does not have any light of its own. It's your light that it uses. You're born with four rays. Now what's in your natural birth by cosmic light? God reflects in your own body. After a little while, say 25, one ray goes out. Oh my. One ray goes up. At 35, another, or 40, another goes. Finally, you get past about 65. <laughs> I guess he told on himself, didn't he? <laughs> you notice I didn't say, oh, Lord. <laughs> I will shortly, but. <laughs> when you get past about 65, you're living on your last 
ray. And every time you take an x-ray picture, you're tearing them rays down. Now, where did those rays come from? By creation of God, God put them in your body, and the prophet identified it as cosmic light. Where from? The cosmos. In your body testifies of the, the, the very witness of the universe. So in your body, it has these cosmic light rays. Then you go through the phases of your life like the moon, to where that you lose one, then you lose another, then you lose another. But unlike the moon to where we are waxing and getting weaker and weaker and weaker, the moon gets stronger, stronger, stronger until Malachi 4 moon, which is the full moon. Can I have a little bit more time? Now he said because it's turned down the rays right out of our little bodies and that's cosmic light that's in you that you're made up of full of light cells. Now that's cosmic light. Now watch again in the masterpiece how he identifies the Old and the New Testament. Jesus did not fulfill the New Testament. Testing. One, two, testing. (laughs) Friends, how could he? It was not written. Your Bible is husband and wife. The Old Testament is the male. The New Testament is the female. Look, you've heard me preach enough to know I've got it laying right in front of you. I know, I know, you want to hear it. All right, masterpiece, paragraph 108. Not if for 2,000 years God has been making him a masterpiece because he struck Adam to get a piece out of him or a part of him, a rib to make a wife. Now that masterpiece he struck at Calvary. He got a piece off of him. It's just the New Testament. The New Testament, that's all. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament, another piece to be fulfilled. See, the new and old is husband and wife. Jesus fulfilled the old and the bride is going to fulfill the new. Testament, New Testament makes what? A millennium and a new earth. When they come together, what does she do in the Song of Solomon? She actually calls for him to go with her out into the villages, out into the fields. What's she doing? She's calling him to come to the millennium. Oh, praise God. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Notice this, the new and old is husband and wife. The old to foreshadow the new Christ come, the masterpiece to fulfill that. Now his bride will fulfill everything in the New Testament. Does that include Mark 16? Why in the world would Paul write in Corinthians that when the resurrection, the rapture takes place, and he says, then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. You mean Jesus didn't fulfill that? Glory to God. Can't you see why Satan hates you? 
Can't you see why he attacks you every day of your life? You move from one problem to another. It seems like everybody in the brothers got something going on continuously all the time. What's it for? It's to keep your mind off of what you're hearing. You are hearing body changing sermons if you're sitting under the God called ministry in the last day. And if Satan can't stop these men from preaching it, he'll try to make trouble in your home, trouble on your job, trouble in your mind to where your mind is so caught up in family problems. Notice this, it's taken him 4,000 years to make this masterpiece. For nearly 2,000 years, he's been making another masterpiece. A bride for Christ. Another masterpiece. In so doing, he does it by his never-changing method, the same way he made his masterpiece. His word. That's the way he makes masterpieces. Y'all know what masterpieces are, don't you? Pieces of the master. That ain't too complicated. (laughs) Well, glory to God. He can only be a perfect masterpiece when it's a perfect word. So let's knock on the door. Enter. So we walk into the office of Dr. Martin Luther. We walk in. There he sits smoking a pipe. A beer that he's fixing to drink or has just drunk. That's just why his age could not be a masterpiece within itself. John Wesley, as great as a man as he was, John Wesley did not see what you see. The Pentecostals, all they done, Seymour and all those guys, many of them were, were genuine people and they love God and they will be there in the resurrection. Those that pass with the life. But when the life passed through the stalk, tossled and shook and left that behind, God will never use them again. You never find life every going backwards in a wheat plant. Life always goes up in a wheat plant and never retraces its steps. Oh, praise God. That's why we want to move on. We keep moving with the pillar of fire, but we don't move without justification. We bring justification along with us. We bring Holy Ghost sanctification along with us. We bring the real power of the Holy Ghost in our life right onto the fullness of the word till we take a body change. Praise God. Notice again. He started on the, oh no. He started on the day of Pentecost to build another masterpiece. And this is what it was. The original seed word. Why do we message people? Want to look down on them people? Why do we want to look down on what God started? And what God did as if though they're a bunch of ignoramuses and had nothing. Where do we get that at? It's creeds, dogmas, traditions formed by preachers who's come in this message. Oh, you're getting quiet on me. 
started in the first church. What was it? The seed. Word. Right. Oh, but Brother Donnie, they didn't preach the seals. Of course they didn't. They didn't need them. They didn't need the seals. And the mysteries that manifested down through the seal was for the church ages. Well, let me ask you this. Since the church age started, the Ephesian church age in 53 AD, what were they before that? Bride. Bride time. Bride light. Bright age. Why? They were sold out to God. Can't you see what the ending of the bright age is in the end time? It's not an eighth time. It's not that we need another messenger. It's when the bride at the end returns back to what she was at the beginning. It's the same. It's the same same word. It just starts out. He started out for a period of several years in the first church. They were not Methodists. They were not Baptists. They were bride. They were word. They were seed. It was a season that God had the bride on the earth. Bride light. Bride time. Age of the life of Christ. And then the devil talked them into the church age. And then they become associated with man. And man led them. And man made decisions. Don't you understand why? That is as long as we're on this earth. There'll be men come around us in this message. And this one will try to tell us what to do. And that one will tell us what to do. Because Satan knows there's a weakness in humanity. They tend to bow down to great overlords. But not the bride. Not the bride. Light. We're in the full moon. We say no. We say no to Satan's devices. Listen. We'll pick it up tomorrow, man. Praise God. So for this short span of time, the first few years, the prophet said, we don't know how long it was. But God was focusing on what? The bride. Paul goes to Ephesus, starts a church there. He remains the pastor of 66 AD. John comes and takes it on. And then the church age starts, what year? 53 AD. When did the Holy Ghost come though? 33. I'll tell you what, I about run off the road the other day when the Lord spoke that to me. I was driving down here. I thought, oh, Jesus, help me to stay in the middle of the road. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I thought, praise God, how wonderful. As he started it out in the beginning, and then what do we do? We come in the end time, and we go right back, and the prophet said, out of the dark denominationalism, there will raise a resurrection to what? The bright age. Another messenger, another time. No, he will end it the way he started it. It will be at the end of this time frame bride will be the voice of God hallelujah she's not looking for man's ideas she will finish up the way she started God bless you